I couldn't even get through the pretty like, good without pretty the, good. Uh, okay. the sickness rearing its head. Um, I have not, you know, um, worked for most of the month. Um, I have had today and Monday uh, upcoming on my fill-in calendar for several weeks. And I have been um, about as healthy and and cold free as i've been in four years for the past month um and then yesterday the day before i had to go on the air uh one of the kids got me and i am coming down with the crud again so just in time for my only two days of work this month yep you know so you get little germ factories running around yep, your house that's what they do and they 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 seem to have a knack for uh making their presence felt at exactly the wrong time. So good times there. Otherwise, pretty good. And, you know, whatever. Like, I've had so many colds over the last four years. They, It's it's like, it's nothing now. I mean, it sucks, it's all, but it's not. Yeah. I, um, if I could weather complain for one second. Yeah. How's the snow? We're, tape, we're taping this today. It is March 31st, right? So this is the 70th day of 2023. Uh, we have not hit 50 degrees in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota since Woo! November. Woo! 50, doesn't seem like too much to ask. 50. We're we're about to hit April. Uh, still no 50 degrees in sight. Uh, it is already the, I believe, the fifth snowiest winter on record in the history of this snowy-ass city. And we've got five to seven more inches coming tonight. Nice. And I, I for one, am sick of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not fair. Be stepping into April with five to seven inches of snow, and I don't think that's unreasonable. No, it seems it seems like a reasonable ask. Um, on the other hand, like who knows, man? I we in in the Bay Area, you know, it's good and bad. But we have gotten more rain in the last two months than in the previous like ten years, right. and um, it is both good for the vegetation. Um, and, and, and treacherous also, on the roads, yeah. Yeah, treacherous on the roads, but also just like stuff is flooding and and there's mudslides and like we're just you know California is not prepared for this quantity of rain, so a lot of bad stuff happens. And then on top of that, uh, you know, if you're a allergy weakling, as I have become in my old age, everything that hasn't grown for a decade of no rain is like popping out of the ground and and sending pollen your way. So it's uh it's a crazy time. Oh yeah, I can see that. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird ass spring, basically all around. It sounds like. Yep. Hey, and, and you know what? Get used to it. I think it's gonna be a weird ass spring every spring from here on out. Yep. Yeah. Right up until the world bursts into flames. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Hopefully, hopefully the pod will have concluded by then. 
fingers crossed. I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, my kids' pods will be concluded by then. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> all right. Do you want to uh, start with the challenge this week? Because I, I have a couple of things to say. Okay. Let's start with the challenge this week. I was just about to put into my notes that I thought this is one of the better episodes yep. of challenge that we've had for quite some time. I mean, an outstanding example right. of politicking. But instead, right we up. have to curse the show's name. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Look. There is a basic expectation that you're going to give me an elimination and a daily challenge in each episode. And I need you to quit fucking around challenge because yep. this is bullshit. Yep. Like there was no reason to artificially cliffhanger that episode uh, where you did other than you're fucking stalling for time and it's not cool. Cut it out. Agreed. Thank you. Agreed. Yeah. Cut it out. It's no good. And I would add to what you already so eloquently yelled at the challenge. I would add this. Presumably, part of the goal of the Challenge World Championship is to bring a wider audience into the challenge. Put your best foot forward, for God's sakes. Yep. Because if I'm someone just stepping in, and it seems like, I don't know, like every other week we give you a weird cliffhanger where like the show doesn't seem complete you know next week's episode you'll have uh it'll open with an elimination and then maybe you'll have a daily challenge and who knows another elimination might be two weeks we don't know like that's not the best of the challenge that's not the best version of the show the best version of the show has a a, a daily and an elimination in each episode and unless there is a level of drama and 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 off challenge you know like non challenge happenings that just breaks the entire ceiling off the thing every episode should have a daily and an elimination so when you like you said artificially cliffhanger it you are you are robbing this week's episode of its potential and you are shoehorning a weird episode into next week. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Because then you have something weird to get the timing back, or you have to continue to keep stringing people along. Right. And it it reeks of we didn't have enough content to make the show how we usually make it. Right? It makes me think that this cast or this this season, for whatever reason, is not up to the level of other seasons, just from a, a content standpoint. So yeah, which I'm not getting all the around. game. You're just giving me that as producers with the, with right. this vibe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The game seems seems interesting and competitive, and like you said, this was a tremendous politics episode. There was so much happening, and to not, but like all that politics feels like extremely masturbatory when you don't get the payoff. Yep, exactly, exactly. Pay it off. Like, come on. Uh, you're giving me challenge blue balls here. Yeah. Um, Not cool, man. The um, the other the other complaint I would have, this is, I, I would say, a more minor one. It, you know, the, the TJ's stalemate solution was perfectly reasonable. But, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen something a little bit more spicy. Like, I wanted TJ to really inject himself into the game and be a little bit angry that these people couldn't even come to a decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, I didn't like that how many people showed up to this thing dressed in their normal clothes. Yep. Like, I feel like everybody in that place should have felt like they could have gone in. Well, I feel like, in theory, they could, right? Because he just gave control to the one team. They could pick whoever right. they want. And they can, um, yeah. So, the, you know, they'll just have to change. Uh, but, again, this is part of the problem with the cliffhanger is, like, not knowing that answer makes it hard to discuss all the politicking that went on. Because we don't know what worked. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't know what the product was. Um, so, I like, it's hard to say whether the stalemate was a good or a bad strategy. Now, obviously, they had already seen a stalemate give power to the, the winners, right? So maybe that was the expectation, and maybe that worked out for some people. But we don't know because we don't know who they picked because you left us with a stupid cliffhanger. And by the way, I don't know about you, but I was shocked. Like, I was all ready to watch an elimination. I wasn't paying attention because on Paramount Plus, I don't have to fast forward. So I don't notice where I am in the show. Yeah, hundred percent. I did like like when when the credits came up, I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I guess like maybe there's a theory that there's some value in that expression of emotion, but I would I would beg to differ. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I, if if that's if that's your theory, let me let me tell you, you approved it incorrect. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Now that being said, uh, I I do think we can talk about one strategy choice in this episode. Uh, as Johnny put it, the self-described genius of the challenge, Weston Bergman, um, had a big old fuck up this week. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I get where his head was at, but you can't make that kind of strategy choice in the first group. You got to see how it goes. If you're going to do that. That's exactly, that's exactly, that's clearly the mistake is. You can't do that in the first group when you don't know the point system. You know what I mean, right? And you like, don't know. You don't really know how hard it is, right? Because like your theory is, well, we got forty tosses. I'm sure we can make up five points, but you didn't know how hard it was, right? And I did. That's the other thing is I don't know. I don't know if there's any way. I don't know if there's any way to know that Zara, Zara would suck at throwing. Like, no, that was that was. Uh, but that was a bit surprise. <laughs> but I would, but I would point out that like, largely, what seventy five percent of the people pretty much sucked at this. There were like yeah. three pairs that killed it, and everybody else pretty much stunk. Yeah, I think you would have been better off taking the two point penalty for puking, right? In hindsight, totally. Um, I mean, we saw it, yeah, like obviously, right? Yeah, better, so. Right? Um, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to sort of, th- th- you know, throw that part of it in any way, this I have to say would have been an extremely difficult challenge for me personally. Uh, I get motion sickness. You know, I don't like those sort of uh, moving perpetually in one direction in a circle. For you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, on so like I almost certainly would have had to been the thrower. That's funny. The- I actually. This to me looked like one of the most fun challenges ever. <laughs> I mean, I love throwing to, things. To get up there and spinning stuff after eating after an eating challenge. Well, in which you're smoothie, not allowed to throw up. Man, that's rough. That's rough. I would not have been excited about the smoothie, but yeah. in terms of spinning around and then trying to toss a thing into another thing, like that's my that's that sounds fun to me. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I would, I'm 100% love to fl- out on that. Love to fly through the air, love to throw things, 
sounds great. I would be scared of that in the way that some people are scared of heights in the show. You know what I mean? That's funny. Yeah. So I think I don't uh-oh. really have any like debilitating, you know, like sort of classic things like that. Like, you know, I'm not like a terrified of heights, but I think if I had to choose, I would spin before I stood on something really tall. Mm. Yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. I would I would still attempt it. I'm just assuming that I would be puking everywhere. Yeah. I have I have become less um, like uh, you know in <laughs> I don't know if you watched How I Met Your Mother, but there's a bit about I think it's Ted saying he's vomit vomit free since '93 or something like that. Yeah, um, and of course I watched How I Met Your Mother. We've talked about it on this podcast. Just making before. sure. I yeah. I uh, that like I'm that guy. I I. I'm not vomit th- free since 93, but like I got food poisoning a year or so ago and I don't, I couldn't remember the last time I had thrown up before that because it's like, if, if, if you're like, you can vomit one time or I'm going to break your leg. That's a hard decision for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. You do forget when you, when you stop vomiting on the regular, how terrible it is. It's the worst. Uh, so and I never vomited on the regular because even in my like college days, like I was never a, a big drinker because just the the prospect of becoming sick to my stomach was so terrifying and upsetting to me. Uh, that being said, I've developed a slightly weaker stomach as I've gotten older. I don't know what that's about, so I don't I I, I don't want to be overconfident, but I just you know the the athletic activity of the flying through the air and catching a, a, a ring and then tossing it just looked like so much fun to me. Yeah. And by yeah, the way, well, quick, quick, quick note on the difficulty of this. The different cranes were spinning different directions. So like just sort of depending on luck, you might've had to throw with a different hand. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Because, like, if I'm spinning clockwise, right, I'm, like, coming at it where I kind of, to get the momentum in the right direction, I kind of got to throw with my right hand. If I'm going counterclockwise, I kind of got to throw with my left hand. So I think some people got a little screwed based on just which crane they ended up on. Because if you're spinning the opposite way from your good hand, it's got to be so much harder to throw it into that little, like, house they were throwing at. Yeah, yet another reason why uh, going second or third in this was. <laughs> yeah, although I gotta say, Johnny Bananas, in classic form, was in the first heat, and he won that heat. His team won that heat fourteen to three to three to two. Yeah, Just- no, this is the this is the thing that makes Johnny Bananas Johnny Bananas is yep. like. He's is he's not, not just politics, which he's pretty good at. He's very good at these weird ass things. Just so good at weird shit. And uh, and yeah. by the way, speaking of people who are good at weird shit, did you see? It looked like Jordan caught and threw one of the rings with his foot. <laughs> I did not catch that. <laughs> I would almost say go back and watch it because <laughs> like you, it was it was two shots, so it was hard to see if he ended up transferring it to throw it. But it sure looked, from the way they aired it, he definitely caught it on his foot. And yeah. it looked like he just flicked his foot and tossed it right into the, the center barrel, which was unbelievable. Um, I think that we – so it, it, if I can get to the intrigue 
that immediately follows said daily competition. I think that we have a lot of people playing a lot of different games <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and it's it's bubbling up nicely. Like there are definitely some people who are still playing this along the lines of the, the country teams. <laughs> and then you have Danny and Sarah and that crew that are are I, I say wisely, I think. Um you know, I'm hesitant to put Sarah and Wise in the same sentence, but I'm going to do it. Well, I just um, – why doesn't they're, she – They're playing a MVPs versus Legends game, which I think they need to play. Why? You know what I mean? Um, Why not go along to get along for at least a few more weeks? Like what – you're not in any danger. Nobody well, is saying your name. Why the, do you insist on pursuing a more difficult path? I don't get it. <laughs> because if – right, who's – who keeps getting eliminated, right? It seems like like people are getting picked off. Well, no, I guess you're right. I mean, I guess you have a legend and an MVP going away every week, every right? Week, so. Every week, same thing. One legend, yeah. one MVP. The, the, trying to create a divide. I mean, it's just... Look, I think Sarah is a person they're just. Who, I think they're just upset because they don't have control. That's right. right. Sarah's yeah. upset because she has no control. And And there's two things here. The first thing is... This is just dumb. Like, clearly the smart move is to lay in the cut until your name comes up. Like, you don't have to make a scene out of yourself to get people thinking about how annoying and obnoxious you are. She well, should have learned that lesson a year, like, uh, last season. I'll say this. I think, I think the scene making, that's all. She's doing a good job of keeping that low key. Yeah, right? maybe. It's very clear to us, but right. I don't think that it's obvious within the house that might be that true makes- but it's going to be obvious because at if some you point, keep at some point they're going to figure it out <laughs> if you keep sharing elaborate schemes with like 7 to 10 people pretty soon everyone's going to know about it I, weirdly um, enough Kellyanne is the only one that's verbalizing this right well <laughs> so, yeah, and she's but, not even a part of that group <laughs> no and she is she like no one no one listens to her at this point um yeah so but the other part of it is, and, by, and by the way, did you? I really enjoyed the moment of like Kellyanne explaining to Jody why they both need to be stressed, and Jody just being like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. "Yeah, <laughs> just being like, why are you so crazy?" Like, yes, I understand how the game works. Could you chill the hell out, please? Um, but here's the other part about Sarah that I think, like, and this is different this week because Wes and Zara blew it and ended up in the bottom. And I think we are going to see a powerful team get thrown in, but there's a reason Sarah that no one who knows how the game works wanted to nominate strong teams the past two weeks. Cause they're going to come back. Right. Like you're putting them against. And they're going to come back and come at you. Exactly. So that's why people don't take big shots early. It's because the team that finishes last and is is automatically an elimination is usually a pushover. So you have to wait for your opportunity. And now they have that opportunity. Not Sarah, but, but, you know, the winners. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, like, Sarah's determination to make things harder on herself is very confusing to me. <laughs> I do feel like it was revealing she was wearing an Iowa shirt. Um, and maybe this is something that I think you you might understand as a Chicagoan and, and I'm understanding as a Minnesotan. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's from Iowa. 
I, I'm getting why she's such a hard ass right now. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, and then I don't like the Ben thing, I think, actually, is pretty interesting. Right. Because I, like, I don't I don't totally know what Ben is doing. Like, I don't think Ben is a dummy. Do you think Ben knows uh, what and Ben I think, is doing? I think I do think he's trying to think ahead. <laughs> um, but, man, it does. It does seem like he is swayable. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, he just he just kind of does whatever. <laughs> like I don't, I still don't totally understand what made him switch his vote this week. I don't either. Other than I think he he's like it's smarter for me to align with the legends than with these folks, which I think might be correct. Actually, yeah, yeah it might be. Um, as as much as I think Danny Danny seems to be showing himself as a, as a as a physical force in this game, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and obviously, look, he's he's driving a lot of the behind the, you know, the this sort of whatever it is MVP uprising, you know what I mean. Um, so he seems to be pretty influential. But I think I'm gonna cast my lot if I can get in with Johnny and Wes and Jordan. I'm doing that. You know what I mean? As Ben, you mean. Yeah. No, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. Um, And I think he's also just looking at it from a standpoint of making friends with the people you don't know is probably a good place to start, right? Like, I would imagine Ben feels like if he has to mend a relationship with Danny or Sarah, he can pull that off. But if he just comes out of the gate throwing stones at, uh, you know, veterans who don't know him, that's going to be a harder, uh, it's going to be harder milk to put back in the jug, so to speak. Yeah. Speaking of which, so if you're Darrell, right? And... Uh, quickly, before we have this conversation, can I just tell you that my, uh, one of certainly my lines of the week this week was Darrell saying he was all in on Team Australia and, quote, I grew up on my guy Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I was like, he's going to name the three Australian things he knows. Yep. <laughs> Put another shrimp on the Barbie, baby. That was my line of the week was bananas. <laughs> he was going to vote two Australians. He's going to put a couple more shrimps on the Barbie. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> um, I do sort of like uh, – I, I sort of like Grant's feistiness, by the way. Me with, too. With the Australians. Like, I think he's feisty in exactly the right way. Like, yeah. He's not getting too far out over his skis, but he's also, like, his perspective seems to be like, I'm an adult and I'm not going to pretend like you people who've played this silly game before are somehow superior to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going to go crazy or, or be all Sarah with it, but, like, also, I'm not going to be overly deferential here so you know i do think he overstepped in that they were they just haven't quite been nice enough to kiki it <laughs> seems like that might be yeah. biting them ass. you know what i mean maybe I, it's weird too because i thought kiki showed her showed out so well in that first episode that like you'd want to bring her into the fold but who knows she had to remind me, and I think rightly so. She's like, you know, I won this. Right. <laughs> Not only won the challenge, but also yeah. already, like, beasted a, 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 in the first elimination. Like, Kiki should have as much respect from the group 
as any of the women, MV, you know, the MVP women. Right. And they're over there calling her an airhead. So. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> I, it, it's one of those things, though, like with Amber B, where it makes you wonder if she is just kind of a kook around the house all the time, you know? Yeah. Because there's yeah, just so sure. much, like, hanging out time we don't see that if someone is just kind of a doofus around the house, like, they're going to get labeled a certain way. The Amber B, uh, just Amber B's presence on this show is messing with my head with the timeline a little bit. Well, you know what I mean? Well, but I think we're about to, I think we're going to, that's going to come to a head soon because, I, like, she mentioned. Oh, you think she, you think she finds that she's prated during the season? 100%. She, there's, oh. they, they even give, gave us a little Easter egg. They, before She was like. Well, I was already feeling sick to my stomach before the challenge, so it was really hard for me to drink this smoothie. And I was like, Oh, oh I missed that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I'll I have a feeling sick. she's gonna be medically disqualified within the next few weeks. Uh that would that would that would make some sense for sure. Yeah, bummer for Troy, but it is what it is. <laughs> they weren't gonna win. It's fine. Well, probably not, I guess, but I don't know, man. I like. It's funny. I thought you were the one who likes Amber B, but I do like Amber B. But you know, pregnant you're Amber giving B her no respect. Is, is a bit is a bit different, right? If she was, you know, just well, saying. but you said they weren't going to win anyway. Like even if she wasn't pregnant, is what I just a little bit more a little bit more of a statement about Troy than Amber. I gotta say, Troy won. Troy already won. <laughs> They're both champions, <laughs> yeah. man. I don't think Troy's winning this group. I just don't. I don't yeah, think no, Troy's I mean, winning this group out of this group of dudes. You I know what I mean? You, but yeah. uh he did beat Grant, right? He did beat Grant. Yep. So fair, fair play knows? to him. You never know. The challenge <laughs> it, it's a weird place. Doesn't Tristan always make sense. These, Tristan beat all these Brits too. And uh how's that how's that working for him so far? You know what I mean? Not so, great. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. Kellyanne's not helping. <laughs> Kellyanne's Kelly not helping. Um, uh, all right. Can I say before we? <laughs> yes. Uh, but while we we're a bunch while we're tangenting, I just want to throw in that I really enjoyed the um, Australian translations that that we got this week, like the carry on like a pork chop and getting shirty. Um, yeah. Some really good Australian slang in this. Episode. <laughs> I bet they're fun to hang out with, dude. Australians are without fail always the best people to hang out with in any have scenario you given, have you given any thought to watching the challenge australia that, that is available right i've given yeah. a lot of thought to watching australia and the uk actually but i only have so much time yeah yeah that's there's only so many hours in the day yeah um and you know all new people or mostly new people i guess at this point right. um all right so you're Jarrell. nice you've been trying to lay low and now you've got this decision that is going to sort of force you up from the sand a little bit. Which way are you going? You trying to make as few waves as possible? You trying to you trying to break up? Uh, you know, you trying to get some revenge on the Australian teams? You continuing to uh, eliminate the Argentinians? What way? What way are you headed? I I feel like you got to take a shot right at somebody. You got to go big. Um, and. The reality of that is is that in all likelihood, whoever comes back is going to come back angry because if you send a, a strong team 
against Wes and Zara, they're not going to be thrilled with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I would be picking from the group of Grant and John A, Ben and Casey, Kaz and Jordan, and I don't know, maybe Johnny and Justine. Like, I, I am, I'm going after the strongest team I can. I will say. It doesn't seem like this happened, but if I, and I guess it's hard to do because you don't know what the result of the deadlock is going to be, but if I was Darrell and Kiki, they are currently about as unattached as any pair in the game because Australia is not really bringing Kiki into the fold and Darrell just isn't. I mean, he could be in a, an alliance with anyone, but he doesn't really have any attachments on the channel on the legend side, right? Um, he's sort of, yeah, I would say he's, yeah. I mean, I think, I think Amber's someone who seems like she wouldn't say his name, but I don't, I don't know that there are too many other people out there. Right. So, I mean, that's what I would be doing is trying to use this decision to to gain some favor. Yeah. Well, I'm going to just throw out there in that case, wouldn't Sarah and Theo make a make a decent amount of sense that you you could be you could go to the other legends and say you know look these are the people that are gunning for you if they know sarah if, take if, a if, shot to get rid of one right. you know what i mean i just don't know that they're aware of sarah like you said they might earlier. not be yeah um, you but may, if, we may maybe i'm a little too omnipotent here right if they are aware Omnipot- of sarah yeah. i think that would be a great yeah. move um or, or even to, I mean, honestly, I don't think John A is necessarily a part of like a Jordan, Tory, Casey, potentially bananas part. Yeah, I think right? Grant, I think Grant and John A gets get some of that done. So, so yeah, I, I, I mean, want to get I would want to get one of Sarah Grant and da- or Danny out of the game, and I think Danny, you know, sort of being aligned with Tory, you want to avoid taking that shot at her if you can. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but sure, Sarah, Sarah makes sense to me. Sarah always makes sense to me to throw into elimination. To be totally honest, um, <laughs> and I think like you know, depending what it is, Sarah and Theo against Wes and Zara feels like a pretty good matchup. You know, yeah, really could right. go either and way. And I don't think I don't think, like I like. I mean, it's a formidable team that Wes and Zara could potentially lose to, but I don't think. I don't see Wes being like you screwed me by giving me Sarah and Theo. You know what I mean? No, He's gonna that's, think he can that's win that. true. Right. I so, think. Whereas if it was Jordan and Kaz, he might be pretty upset. Agreed. Agreed. So that that would be that would be my move if I was. I guess I'd have to have the information there. Um, I wonder, but I think Grant and John A is a pretty good second choice, and I think that seems pretty plausible right now. Yeah. Well, it's weird too because you know they don't have the opportunity to really politic around with that power right it ha- they are handed the power and they have to make an immediate decision but honestly if i was Darrell, i might just yell out wes who do you want just yell it yeah out maybe see if he and you are you are dispelling the idea if you go grand Jane, right you're com- you're completely wrecked the concept of team australia as a team right like well right but i mean throwing down the golf there. It seemed to me, based on this past episode, that Kiki is already over Team Australia. And as yes. Wes has said from episode one, and as I have been saying from episode one, those teams are meaningless. They are a construct. They have nothing to do with the game. 
Yeah, 100%. Like, if you're aligned <laughs> with those people, then you can I, have an alliance yeah. with those people. But it, it, I, it's... I don't think they're completely meaningless in the sense that, like, I do think that the people from the various countries, because they're the relationships that they have coming into the game. There, right? There's a natural alliance. Yeah, they are all sort of naturally aligned. But if but they're but they're they're not they but you're right they're constructs in any other sense of the word and 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 if you're Kiki and your natural allies are not really backing you there's no reason to hold to any sort of Team Australia thing yeah I think that's right and certainly like that will be the perspective of all of the legends. Right. There's no reason to align with your country, you know, quote in, in finger quotes. The, the only meaningful alignments are the ones that you make verbally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. It's going to I think it's going to really get intriguing. I think we're going to see some interesting double crosses between now uh, and the end of the season. I'm, yeah, I'm here for it. As long as we get a daily challenge and elimination in every episode, you fucks. Seriously. Yeah. OK. Um. You want to talk about Top Chef? I do. So my biggest fear uh, about this episode was not realized. The um, biggest fear? Yeah, was yeah. Was it that you were going to have a square off between um, Tom and Buddha for who was going home? No, that we were just going to have an infomercial for uh, Tottenham. <laughs> oh, 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 right. Of course. I didn't think of that. Yeah, there, was, there wasn't much Tottenham. No current players. They went to the stadium, obviously, but they didn't, like, do a bunch of Tottenham celebration. They just basically did a Top Chef episode that happened to be there. Yeah, yeah. You know, there were a couple logos around, and that, I think that's to be expected. But other, other than that, uh, if I if Ledley King is guest judge, I can live with. He's not a guy I hate a whole lot. So, well, I mean, um, yeah. How, how locked in were you during Ledley King's career? <laughs> yeah, not, not that. Not that locked in at that point. So, um yeah, yeah, it definitely could have been much, much worse on that front. So I, I, I thank the uh, the producers oh for that. You know what's scary <laughs> is like he's our age; he's between us in age. Yeah, King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember him. I just, uh, you know, he wasn't wasn't wasn't. You couldn't see as many games back then. So right, right. Um, and he retired and, pretty young too. Yeah, yeah, and he retired young. I think he even said that. Yeah, yeah, he did. So. Yeah. Uh, on the whole, though, I thought this was a good episode. Uh, it was an interesting um, challenge. Uh, I thought, uh, or a couple challenges. The quick fire, I thought, was interesting in that, like, man, 45 minutes is, like, kind of a long quick fire, but seems like an impossible amount of time for making biscuits. Two different biscuits. Yeah. It really was a tough challenge. That said, like, some of the, like, Tom... I get you don't like making biscuits. Fine. But have you not watched the show? Like, you got to do what they tell you. You can't just do a different thing. Yeah, I'm going the other way on that. Really? Yeah, I was really kind of disappointed in how how risk-averse most of these chefs seem to the quick fire, which to me makes no sense. Like, that's the time to take a risk, right? Like, Were they risk-averse? I think they just followed the brief. Like there were some pretty no, crazy. I'm not saying they were. Risk- I'm not saying they weren't. Ri- they were risk averse, not because they made biscuits, you know, or classic biscuits. But I think a lot of them 
didn't didn't take chances in the classic biscuits that they made. To me, okay. this is exactly when you go, all right, I'm going to do something innovative and weird. And if they love it, then I have a shot to win this quick fire. And if they don't, then I'm not going home. So who cares? Well, I thought, um, you know, Nicole and Sylvia and, and even Buddha kind of went pretty weird. Like Sylvia put anchovies in, in a biscuit, for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you yeah, know, yeah, I'm not saying everyone, but yeah. I, a lot of chefs played it safe in that challenge, which I thought was kind of lame. Agreed. Like, it's quick fire. You don't have to play it safe. And, and, I, and if I might add, yeah, the biscuit judge was so annoying that I am all for upsetting him. He was um, – it was weird, too, because he was like, I'm so excited to be here. And then he was just kind of a turd. Yeah. And then, like, I don't, I don't know what friends of his he had, but they they clearly were – should not have let him wear that shirt on television. I don't, I don't know what's happening there. Somebody compared him to Austin Powers in a way that <laughs> sounded favorable. And I was like, is that supposed to be a compliment? Because I'm yeah, pretty sure yeah. the Austin Powers outfit was a silly joke. It was all bad idea jeans there. All bad idea jeans. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I would say uh, quickly before we move on from the quick fire, um, just the look on both Buddha and Luciana's quick fires. I think to get I mean it's one thing to make a biscuit, two biscuits in 45 minutes. That's hard enough, but then to have it look like a Michelin dish, I thought was really impressive. Um was Luciana's the one with the with the roses on it? Yes. Yeah, that was that was nice. And Buddha's <laughs> was a classic like Buddha, you know, mathematical science dish, but it looked incredible. And actually Begonia did those like two sort of opposing crackers that looked pretty incredible too. So there were some really impressive visual aspects in this. Um, and then did you catch Charbel throwing shade at Tom? No. So Tom came up with his weird frozen cakes and the guy was like, these are cakes. They're good, but they have nothing to do with what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like, whatever the opposite is of in Tom's defense, like to further condemn Tom to then sit in the ITM and be like, let's move on. Screw this is like, no buddy, you screwed it up. You made a choice to do the wrong thing and you knew it. You knew what you were doing. Like it's your fault. And then Charbel was the yeah, next. See, I'm, the, I'm the whole other way on this. I'm like, okay. I, I'm Tom. I'm like, yeah, it's a quick fire. What are you going to do? Sure. Sure. But that, <laughs> and if he had said that, like, that would have been fine. But what yeah. he said instead was basically like "fuck him," <laughs> and my attitude yeah. to that well, is like, "That's what I, I would. That's a nicer way, isn't that a nicer way of just saying fuck him? I'm with Tom. Fuck him." No, but yeah, I'm not your I monkey. don't know. There was something. Okay, fair enough. I don't know. Just the his whole attitude about it was like, "I don't make cookies. Like, go to hell, bro. You make what they tell you to make. Like, you're a contestant on this show." Anyway, right after Tom Charbel came up. And gave them his, you know, nasty cookies that were clearly not very good. And they... Because at least they made cookies. Well, one of them was like, have you made many biscuits? And he was like, I've basically never made a biscuit, but it's Top Chef. We have to adapt. Right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, bro. <laughs> tell that to Tom. Damn right. <laughs> I would Tom. Refuse to adapt if you want. <laughs> yeah, no, fine. But then, like... Don't be upset when a when a silly refusal to adapt gets you sent home. Correct. 
Correct. Now that you better adapt to the elim- elimination challenges. That's what I'm saying. It's quick fire. Take a risk. The liquid nitrogen, the shit out of it. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. where, that's where I'm at. I feel like now's the time uh, to mention, um, as we transition from quick fire to elimination, that uh, in the in our reaction to the very first episode of the season, uh, I was looking for the asshole because you know that's a thing to do with Top Chef. There's almost always you an think asshole. it's Tom. You think it's Tom? Uh I wasn't going to say that. I think Tom oh. Tom is almost the only candidate left. <laughs> so, you know, but but I if I had to if I had to go one way or the other, I would say there just isn't really an asshole on this season, which is bizarre. Right, so, but that might be true. This is I'm not where not... I was going. Hold on. Before we get into the asshole discussion, I just want to say in our reaction to the first episode, I said maybe Victoire is the asshole, and I just want to I want to say she's definitely not the asshole. And in fact, shout out Victoire. I'm really coming around on her. And she, her, the fact that she's doing this in a language she started picking up like a month ago is unbelievable. And like her story is unbelievable. And she's funny. I'm, I'm all in on Victoire now. Me too. I, I was actually quite worried that we were maybe getting too much personal information yeah. about Victoire. Right. <laughs> That's, that's usually what happens right before you start going home. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, In the style of uh, of like May's personal stuff from last week. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that, that was not the case. I agree with you. I do think there are some people with asshole potential. Um, one Nicole, I, a little bit. <clears throat> uh, yeah, and I um, is she? She that's the Canadian one, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean they, you know. She's been nothing but pleasant on this season, so I'm not. I don't want to get too far into. But when they go back to yeah. your original season and start showing clips, yeah. it was bad. <laughs> That's not the best sign. It's not no. the best sign. So and she, but she copped to that. So my yeah. my instinct is she's grown up. Um, legitimately, but and that's but, what she said. But, but it's in you there. Know, sometimes that pops out. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> and look. You know I'm a huge fan, but like Buddha can be a bit of a dick when he wants to be. So I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah, rule him out he entirely. He can be a little pretentious, but I don't think he's an asshole. Yeah, I don't think he's an asshole. He can be tough in the kitchen, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can well, I think I, I think that's almost universal here, right? Yeah. Um, almost anyone can be tough. But almost all these people can be tough in the kitchen. I I, I did um, quite enjoy. The like cheese competition, like the way they handled the the sort of soccer style, whatever they were doing, I thought went really well. And I also thought, like, okay, let me ask you: when you saw the original teams, so it was Luciana, Begonia, and Gabri against Amar, Nicole, and Victoire, and then it was Buddha, Tom, and Ali against Charbel, Sylvia, and Sarah. Who did you have winning each round? Uh, I had the. I was surprised by both winners. Yes, that's what. <laughs> yes, as yeah. was I. Right, like when I saw them break it up, I was like, "Oh man, Luciana Begonia Gabri is like a stylistic marriage that works, and they're all really good." Buddha Tom and Ali might be the three best chefs here. Um, those two teams are going to be really tough to beat, and of course, they both lost in the first round. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so classic like Top Chef in that like. It's easy to forget when you get married to favorites. And I'd still, like, if they did it again, I would still pick the same teams as favorites. But everyone here is so good, 
that uh, you never know any given Sunday. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, that's that's just the things I think everybody here is so capable um, that you, you just you just don't know how it's going to play out. And I probably I think I probably would have gone with the losing team as my, as, as my favorite. Yep. And I I don't think that they were there necessarily undeservedly. I really uh, the the relegation quote unquote format I thought played out way better than I would have even imagined. It was really interesting, and to have to do what was it four cooks. Um, uh, well, three, yeah, three cooks. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a that's a lot, man. It's a lot to uh, you know on your way out, and I can see how that last one would just be just uh, grueling. You know what yeah. I mean? At that point, so I will um, say this though, um, to say like there, you know, it's hard to know how it's going to shake out. Certainly on the outside, that's that's true. Um, I do think what we have seen judge wise, pretty much throughout the season so far, is leaning into like I don't quite know how to describe it but what I would call extremely top chefy judgments like the brief is the most important thing right yeah because they 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 said in the elimination it was Gabri and Begonia and Luciana and they the peas were the main thing right and they said on the judges panel that Luciana cooked her peas the best. Yep. But, but the they presumption weren't is in the dish, right? That's right. The presumption yeah. I think from the judges is everyone here is capable of cooking something perfectly on any given meal. The question is who can center the ingredient we're talking about. So Luciana cooked the peas the best, but they weren't the star of the dish. What the elimination came down to was who centered the peas the most and the best. And listen, yeah. if Begonia Which or Gabri, sure I agree with because if you're because it sounds like if you're telling me that Luciana cooked the peas the best, then it sounds like the other people didn't cook their peas perfectly. Yeah, they right. may be capable of it, but they didn't. Well, so. but I think the attitude, judge wise, is like the specific execution of the pea cookery is secondary. Now, listen, if, if Begonia or Gabri had shit the bed cooking their peas, that's different. But if they're all reasonably well-cooked and Luciana just happened to cook the peas the best, but the other two dishes center the peas more and focus on the peas more and bring the flavor of the peas out in more different ways... Like, that execution is not going to be the thing that puts you over the top. It's going to be the following of the brief, the best, that's going to put you over the top. Did you have a problem with not having a winner in this challenge? Not really. What do you need a winner in an I, elimination challenge for, really? I don't think I did either, and I I can't recall another challenge that where they just eliminated someone who didn't have a winner before, and maybe it's happened. Well, I feel if, like I they've done these. They've done these like round robin tournament things before. Yeah, but usually it goes the other way, right? Where like the people at the end are the winners, not the losers. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I have a terrible memory, but yeah, that's also true. And there's 20 seasons of this show, so yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of challenges. But yeah, uh, I you know, to me, it's the quick fire winner matters, and the elimination loser matters, and that's more or less it. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw a couple more thoughts in here. Um, one, love the Mexico judge. Yeah, he was good. Uh, like, more th- – I have so many questions. Like, I want to know so much about that man. 
He seems like how old would you guess he was? <laughs> I don't know. There's a wide range there. <laughs> yeah, because he sort of looks like an old man. Like an old, old man. Um, but he has the energy and style of a young man. And also just like really good, not surprisingly, I mean, he is a top chef judge, really good commentary on the food. Like I, I thought he was both a great actual top chef judge and I also just loved his whole vibe. Uh, per the internet, Chavez. He is six years old. He's forty six. So yeah. I, I mean, you must feel pretty weird that that guy's your age, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little older than him. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty weird. It is a little weird. It is a little weird. <laughs> um, but I mean, he's got the mustache. Like it's it's his whole vibe is like opposing auras combined into one. It's like a a mustache with curly cues, but like full sleeve tattoos. A a dress shirt but a baseball hat like i was just loving the whole thing yep all over the place i'm good <laughs> oh there's a video of him uh cooking with Najee harris oh interesting <laughs> aquiles <laughs> chavez also an incredible name aquiles yep yeah for sure i'm a fan uh, <laughs> all right um <laughs> i'm now following him on the instagram are you watching uh last chance kitchen at all I didn't get a chance to watch this week. The turnaround was just too tight because we're doing this morning recording. Um, yeah. Well, that's why I needed a few more minutes when you were talking to me. Um, oh, well, why didn't you tell me that? I could have watched it too. I, well, because it was only I, – because I was 13 minutes in out of 18 or I don't know. Yeah, whatever. All right. Uh, I don't think it's spoiling it to say that Tom intimated – uh, that someone will be coming back into the competition after the next Last Chance Kitchen. Oh, yeah. Well, so. usually when they get to, um, you know, three people in Last Chance Kitchen, that's what's happening because what yeah, except they're doing it differently because they're competing with threes this year in Last Chance Kitchen. So that's you know, that's, but that's what they have done that in the past. But then at, at like they'll they'll compete with threes for a couple weeks and then they'll send one person into the competition, one person home and they'll be back to just one person in last chance kitchen. Yep. So, it'll be uh yeah, it should be interesting to see. Yeah. Right, uh, I mean, that's the thing like you know, Luciana this week is is someone I could absolutely see coming back and winning. So, you know, uh, we have already re very early in the season. We reached the point where even the people being sent to Last Chance Kitchen are viable potential winners of the entire competition. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about some shows? Let's roll. Uh, I guess we should start with Succession. I think that's right. I think that most people watched. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, who uh, who are listening anyway? Um, <laughs> I uh, look. This show's. I'm sad it's going away. Yeah, I get, I get, I get that it's going away, and I, I, I do think that there's only so many seasons. Um, well, and I think that you could do with this show without handing something to these kids, right? The show's called Succession. You right. know what I mean? But I, so, I also think just like Game of Thrones. Look, I mean, I don't think either of us were as mad at it as a lot of people were, but a lot of people were, and I think. There is a lesson to be taken from that about 
better to leave them wanting more. Because I actually do think that the the overall legacy of Game of Thrones has suffered significantly because of the um, widespread frustration with the last couple seasons. I think that's true. I, I think all that, I, everything you said, including with us not being quite as frustrated as so many other people were. Yeah. But I think looking back, it really does bother a lot of folks. Yeah, and uh, I think like, I think at the end of like season four or five, you could have sold, you could have like sold out a theater for a Game of Thrones rewatch. And I think like those last couple seasons left a taste in people's mouths that makes them less likely to go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, this show, I think, still is at the top of its game, though. 100%. But I think that, I think that you know, maybe the lesson is if you're go at the top of your you game and you're feeling like next season's not going to be the top of your game anymore, go ahead and get out of here. Yeah. Or just maybe that you feel like you reached a natural end to this story. Yeah, yeah totally. Because um, whether we loved wh- – whether we, like, were furious or not, I think we can all agree that the path and plan seemed significantly less solidified for the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones than they were earlier on. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting that the election is coming up. Like, if that's something we've sort of been talking about on and off, and now it's what, suddenly 10 days away. So I feel like, despite the fact that you know, that um, uh, the candidate that we know in this race is, is polling <laughs> somewhere around 1% and just hoping to avoid decimals. I do think it seems like they're setting it up to be an impactful event within the course of the season, whether yeah. it's just impactful for uh, the fake Fox news that they own right, um, or this merger um, or their lives in general. Yeah, um, no, it I'm does seem see whether, where that goes. It's like a it's a sort of Damocles hanging over over the first episode. Uh, I, I I will say, though, I it felt to me like. And maybe this maybe this isn't uh, something they have to, to do so much as it just happens. But like this episode of Succession really did feel like. Playing the hits. You know what I mean? Like we got Being everybody gets a couple great lines. And... Exactly. Like we're we're just in our first episode of the season. We're simply going to remind you why you love this show. <laughs> they were there was insanely mean to each other. Yeah. Basically. Some incredible lines, though, man. Some really just excellent. Well, <laughs> that entire scene with the one percent conversation that you were just talking about <laughs> where there's like confusion between the people in the conversation where he's being like, well, you know, I think if we get a political strategist and da da da, we could do this and that, and maybe we could get ourselves, you know, over the hump. And someone's like, oh, so you could win? And he's like, oh, no, but, well, it's not so much about gaining as just holding on to that 1% right now. (laughs) (laughs) Him explaining, yes, I would still have a lot, but I would also be less 100 million. (laughs) <laughs> right. That whole scene was incredible. The 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 everyone getting their lines off about Greg's date to the birthday party was pretty incredible. <laughs> the thing about the bag was yeah. a, a tremendous. The, you could slide uh, that across the floor to bank robbery. <laughs> <laughs> the whole um a, a number of things involving this assistant who I yes. just found out like 
was someone that they really planted in like the beginning of last season. Oh yeah, and just kind of been, been steadily growing in the background. Yep, all this time. Um, when she is like Bridget, who Bridget Random Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Did you meet her on the Bridget apps? Random Fuck. <laughs> that was amazing when she calls the kids and and <laughs> Roman is like, I can't hear you with Dad's dick in your mouth. Yep. And she and she she does the what to like try to make it repeat it and then he just does. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yep. I love this show. It's I a love great show. show. It's just so yeah. good. And and they know exactly what they're doing and again, like sure, the story advanced that like we're back into it, but this really to me almost felt like a greatest hits episode. Like the, the greatest hits for the first time sort of thing. Yeah. Well, that and I would say the show it, it does seem like it's sort of setting things up for Tom to really be cooking this season, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, sir. Like, the disgusting geez. brothers. He's the disgusting brothers are on the rise. He's he's got cousin Greg at his side. He's got uh, it seems like a more influence within the Roy organization than ever before. Well, and I think what's and, so and I fascinating. think he, he's a little bit out for vengeance um, for being shanghaied into some open borders free fucking marriage. Um, yeah, to quote but him. but I think at least I am asking myself the question of whether. All of this that he's doing is just simply about getting the upper hand with Shiv in his marriage. Oh, I think it, yes. 100% I think it is. <laughs> like, it's not actual ambition to run the company or anything like that. It's just a way for him to not be the bottom in his own marriage. Yeah, he doesn't want – I don't think he'd know what to do with the company. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. think he wants to run the company. No. I think This he, is just it, him saying, like, all right, Shiv, I can play your sadistic games too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure that I, part's going to work out for him, but good luck to him. Part of him, I think, really loves Shiv. You know 100%. what I mean? Like, I think that whole well, – that, That's what makes Tom – The whole thing about the, the sadness that I have with you, yeah. you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. Tom really – you kind of got to think about it, because on its surface, he's just like a uh, weird dickhead. But when you dig in on Tom a little bit, like he's one of the most interesting and complicated characters on the show, because he definitely seems, of all the main characters, to be the most moral person in a way, right? But part of right. him being like a decent and moral person is that he really does love this woman who is not decent. And I think after three seasons or four seasons, whatever it is, he finally has come around to the idea that if he wants her to love him, he's got to step it up to her level of depravity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is high. It's a high. It's high level depravity. <laughs> yeah, extremely, extremely craven and depraved. Um. So, and then you know, I mean, we have gotten through all this without really even talking about Logan and just you know. Um, any number of uh, just the make me laugh just scenes shots that he that he just takes the whole, the whole episode. <laughs> Some I'm bored. Somebody make me laugh. Yeah, it's an incredible scene because it it not only reflects his like bully style and the way he treats all of these poor idiots around him, but it's also like it's pretty telling about his life, right? Yep. Like, yeah, sure. That's definitely a moment where part of what we're supposed to see as viewers is like this guy has no one to talk to ever. 
Yeah, well, and you get a few moments of him just staring out the window at his yeah. own birthday party. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, it doesn't seem like it would be all that fun, to be honest. I can't remember who I heard saying this. Which is a bummer, because it's a thought that deserves credit. But um, I was listening to somebody talk about this show. And, like, Logan, in the end, the only thing he is actually interested in or gets any positive feeling out of is beating somebody. It's not actually the winning. It's not the money. It's not the company growing. It's the specific moment of defeating another person. So anything that doesn't involve shoving someone's face in the mud is a like meaningless and joyless pursuit to him. And I think that's a really interesting and smart way of, of understanding the character. Yeah, there's a scene from the kind of coming up on this season, right, where he's talking about we are pirates, you know, and I and like right. I think that's kind of that is that's sort of his thing, right? Is like he needs to go and and conquer somebody's ship and take the stuff to, right. to feel joy. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And it's not like if the gold just fell from the sky and everyone had everything they needed, that would not make him happy. He has no. to take it. It it's about taking it. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um and I'd love to know more about where that, you know, and I, yeah. I, 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 wonder, I wonder if they try to spin the show off yep. in some way. Because there's so many well, great it. characters. You know? I, I think that's the, the look, I mean, it, it would be pretty easy to sell any number of spinoffs because there are so many characters that I think people would want to go on with but to me where the real meat is is what you're saying like a, a logan roy prequel show yeah where it's a, a no there's no cast crossover right which i think i don't know that hbo would be the most excited about that <laughs> so. probably depends who you could get to play logan roy right yep yeah yeah not that they don't have a stable yeah um, but i mean if you could get like george clooney or whatever that might not be the right example but you know if you could get an a-list star to build a Logan Roy show around that. I think HBO would be pretty interested in that. Yeah. I'm trying to think who's your young Scottish actor. Well, Ewan McGregor's not that young, but it'd be interesting to see him try that. Yeah. Definitely yeah, not. Know. Not the McAvoy? Ewan McGregor type. McAvoy could definitely do it. Yeah. Um, Colin Farrell could probably do it. Uh, yeah. Colin Farrell who was, was the initially, but I'm like, well, he's Irish. But I guess he could pretend to be Scottish. Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, American audiences would get too hung up on that. <laughs> um, I'm not sure the average American audience knows the difference. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, there was a line in one of the recent sorry, episodes of Ted Lasso where he was like, "How many countries y'all got in this country?" In this country, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ireland is not one of those countries. In fairness, well, uh, one of them is. Right, one part of Ireland, yes. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about Yellow Jackets. That's the other thing coming back. I I didn't mind this episode, but I am less sure about Yellow Jackets as an ongoing concern hmm. than I am about Succession. And part wow. of that is because I just think this show is really spinning a lot of plates. 
<laughs> and we there's a high degree of difficulty in in continuing to spin all these plates and really adding a few more new plates and i I I have some worries about their ability to land the plane with all these plates spinning. I know that I've just mixed metaphors, but well, um, but I think that's what you're saying. I mean, I I don't think what you're saying is that weird or that critical of Yellow Jackets. I think really what you're saying is just like Succession has had the time to establish a level of trust. Right? Yeah, that's fair. There are not less plates spinning on Succession. Um, you just have seen three or four seasons of it and understand that you. Can yeah, trust these but there's also like. I mean, this show clearly has a mystery at the heart of it. There's clearly a supernatural element to it. Is there? You know, we're getting. I I I think there's a supernatural element to it. You know, I mean, there's well, right. You, you have clearly. to explain what's. I said, yeah. I mean, to me, when you're talking about what's going on with Lottie and what's happening with, um, you know, the the uh, I forget her name, the character's name, but uh, who's the the senator who's sleeping at night and doing oh. crazy stuff in her sleep, right? Well. Uh, there's some sort of unexplained force, right? Thing that's still in this show that we I don't, don't know. really know about. I don't. I don't think that's for sure. I think well, yeah, maybe it's not for sure, but it's certainly implied. Let's say. Um, well, but so I you've think... got that. You've got you've got the present day cult. Yeah, you've got the I, murder I, that they have to cover up. You know what I mean? Like, I do I think do there think is a question. Multiple murders, frankly, that need to be covered up. Really. What other murders what besides other murders Adam? Besides Adam, I mean, is what about the journalist? Wasn't she murdered? Yeah, I, I guess. I guess that's a murder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't really think about that. Yeah, um, yeah, a kidnap and a murder. Yeah, yeah. All right, but I, I, as far as the supernatural part goes, I think there is certainly the implication that. The characters, at least some of them, believe in some sort of supernatural thing that's happening. But I'm not sure we have any hard indication that anything legitimately supernatural is happening. Because the only really out there thing we've seen was when people took mushrooms. Which was sort of explained away by the mushrooms. I mean, some of the Lottie stuff, right? Supposed to well, be. Well, Lottie seems like a weirdo who believes that she has, like, you know, the the power of a seer, but yeah. like crazy people exist in the real world without there actually being supernatural stuff, right? So I don't know. I think that's sort of part of the part of what's happening here is like, is there something super? I mean, I think that's part of the mystery, right? Um. I, I I have a question for you that I that I've been trying to figure out and 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 maybe I just haven't been paying enough attention. Lauren Ambrose, uh, you know, formerly of Six Feet Under, is on this show. Have we seen her to this point? Um, I don't know exactly who that is because I didn't uh, really watch that show. But I'm googling okay. her. Okay, she, well, she's she's a redhead. So oh, maybe that she is, I think she's going to be the adult version of uh, the girl who got attacked in the face by wolves. Okay, so but we haven't met her yet. No, but I mean, we're only one episode into the second season. Right, I right. know who yeah. Lauren Ambrose is. Yeah, I okay. think she's the adult. God, why am I blanking on the girl's name? But this, she's going to have a scar, though, right? She'd have a scar in, in that, you know, because she got half her face eaten off, right? Yeah, 
She definitely has some scars back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, Van. Those... Van is her name. Van. Yeah, that's what She's adult right. Van. Which makes sense. Okay. She kind of looks like her. By the way, Van uh, showed up in something else we watched. Oh, she did? Well, now I'm wondering if it was something you also watched. Um, <laughs> or if it was just something I was watching. But I definitely just saw that young lady in something else. Was it was it one of the shows we're talking about this week? Um, I'm gonna figure that out. In the meantime, okay. do you have any other thoughts on? I, I don't. I don't have too many other thoughts on on Yellow Jackets. Other than I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching. But I, it does seem like it feels like you know if we're doing the plane, the you know what I mean. Like like we've had some turbulence and the plane is shaking a lot, and you know they'll either they will straighten it out. Um, or this thing's going to break apart at some point. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not, I don't think I am as concerned as you are as far as that goes. Like, yes, there's a lot happening right now, but also, I, I don't know. I kind of do trust them after the first season. All right. I mean, I really enjoyed the first season, so I don't have any reason not necessarily to trust him. I just, I don't know. Oh, wow. Liv Hewson, uh, the actor who plays Young Van, is... Uh... I'm just kidding. That's right. We talked about that. Yeah. I forgot about that already. Uh, no, wait. No, that's not... No, Stop Bono's kid. someone else. Bono's Eve kid Houston is Eve. Eve Houston is Bono's kid, but I heard yeah. Houston, so I just sort of assumed. <laughs> yeah, no, no relation. Uh, Liv Houston okay. is Australian, um, and a playwright as well as an actor. Yeah. Playwright, it seems, uh, with at least some success. Also, uh, came out as non-binary at age sixteen. So they, not they. Liv Houston is a they. Liv Houston is a they. Okay. Um, big door prize. How many of these did you watch? I only like I only got to like one and a half. Uh, are you in at one and a half? Uh, so far, so far I am. Oh, I know what it was. She's escapade. Have you been watching Party Down? Oh, party down! Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I she's, have been watching party down. Yeah, she's uh, Megan Mullally's daughter, the the child actor star. Oh, I think I uh, have not finished that episode actually yet. Yeah, that was the that was episode five. So yeah, um, you may not have gotten there. Anyway, sorry, I had to had to figure that out. I was driving me nuts. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? We had moved on. We're talking about Big Door Prize. Um, yeah. Okay. Which I'm really finding to be mostly just adorable. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm intrigued enough by this uh, device and where it goes and what it means that I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to watch this. Going to see it through all the way to the end. Um, well, that, I'm having time. I, I would agree with everything you said, and I think part of the. I don't know if appeal, but part of my confidence and I'll probably see it through to the end is uh, it feels easy. feels like a nice, easy, relaxed watch. It doesn't feel like I'm going to have to think too hard or be uh, overly affected emotionally. just seems like a thoughtful little cute thing. Yeah. The other thing is it's uh, um, 
it is very clearly shot in suburban Atlanta to the point where I was actually looking for my parents' house at one point. <laughs> Amazing. I love that finally, after years of Atlanta letting you down, you have a cute little show in your hometown. I mean, they're they're making all the shows there now. It's yeah. you know what I mean. So, well, know. but it's probably not as exciting not when you're watching The Walking Dead to look for your parents' house. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Although sometimes when you're driving around Atlanta, I see uh, locations and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I think yeah. I was Walking Dead. Yeah, Wait sure. a second, that's the shopping mall where the <laughs> zombies almost <laughs> ate them. Yeah. Oh, oh, look at that abandoned power power plant. I think I think I remember an attack there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, how many last door prizes did you watch? Uh, three. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know that they're like this. Fundamentally, this is like a mystery at the center of this thing, and um, I'm not sure we're going to be able to say a whole lot about whether this is actually a good show until we get to the end and see how they play it out, right? But in yeah, the meantime, they're, they're digging a lot more into the character development too, which I think is uh, how going to have a big piece to say in that. I think. Oh, totally, well. totally, totally, totally. But. I'm just saying, like, like you said, they're very charming, enjoyable characters, right? From Chris O'Dowd through everyone else, almost none of whom whose names I know. Um, no, but, but I, the is great. I'm all, I'm all for her. Yes, agreed. Um, and uh, like they're weird friends. Yeah, everything everything about <laughs> yeah. this is like quirky and cute and fun. It's it's like a lot of shows we've enjoyed in that range, and ultimately, like. Whether it's great or just like a quirky, enjoyable thing that's not so great is going to be determined by how they play out this very bizarre mystery at the center of it. Yeah. I, you know, it's not the first time I've said Apple's got a high batting average, but they just sometimes they really it seems do. like they're, they're over there just stroking solid doubles. Yeah. And I think this is uh, another one of those. By the way, um, did you finish shrinking? I did. Okay. Um, I, I just want to point out because I think Kolsky will probably edit it out. Uh, and he may, in fact, edit this out that um, my man's taking two bathroom breaks over, over this pod. This, that was bathroom break number two we just had. Well, do, we, do we need to worry about you? Are you okay? I mean, I, I drink a lot of liquids in the morning and I don't really eat breakfast, so they just kind of run through me. Is this um, a shrinking uh, situation where you've been carrying a giant jug of water all day? <laughs> you know what's funny? Um, no, but our nanny. Um, I don't think I'm uh, speaking out of term when I say she's had a kidney transplant. Um, very young woman uh, with a kidney transplant. But her doctors told her she needed to, like, hydrate more throughout the day. And she literally has that giant water bottle that Jessica Williams has in shrinking. It's, like, on my kitchen table right now. Yeah, there's uh, the uh, woman in the office next to mine has one as well. And I've been And it cheers you on, her. right? Yeah. It's like keep going. You're you've almost drank a, a gallon. <laughs> like it's written on the side of the water bottle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The measurements are all there. Like it's it's kind of insane. Um, I really just I just had a great time this season, and uh, I'm really glad this show exists. And I feel like props to Bill Lawrence for somehow making another one. You yeah. know. Um, Props to Jason Siegel, who I think has done inc some incredibly interesting work that not that many people know about, yeah. oddly enough. Um, and I just really, I don't know, I enjoyed spending time with this crew. I like that this show 
uh, is filthier than Ted Lasso or Scrubs oh, yeah. or, or or any of the other previous Lawrence things, while still having a lot of just sort of the love. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Within it and, and it general positivity about the world. Yeah, there's just a lot of heart in the show. I I, and, I don't want to discredit Bill Lawrence at all, but I do think some, if not all of that, is the Jason Siegel influence too, right? Because he has generally trafficked in filthier but still very centered at the heart stuff, you know, whether yeah. it's forgetting Sarah Marshall or, or whatever. Um, so – yeah, I think this was kind of a match made in heaven. And uh, all this, I would add, I'm not sure there's ever been a performer that I find more like debilitatingly charming than Jessica Williams. Mm. I Is that the right name? I think I have her name. Yeah, right. yeah that's correct. <laughs> you, you got to write <laughs> anything she's in. I just I like I find her to be as magnetic a performer as I've ever seen. She does she does have a really easygoing charm. There's just you know something I mean? about her. By the way, do you know she's 6 feet tall? There's just something know. about her that just I am just I just want to see her more anytime she's on screen I want to see more. I I laugh at all of her jokes. I I think everything she says is smart and clever. Like it's, I am overwhelmed by her charm. Hmm. I mean, that's saying a lot when you got Ted C. McGinley just kind of plotting around the edges of the show. He's great. He's <laughs> great. Ted C. McGinley things. Yeah, and and Krista Miller is great. Like everyone yeah. here is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Including two kids. New people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lukita Maxwell and Luke Tenney are their name. The daughter and the the patient that's living with them. Um, but there's just something about Jessica Williams to me that is undeniable and irresistible. <laughs> I love we we lauded the entire cast and didn't mention you know fucking Harrison Ford. <laughs> That's the other thing. Uh, Harrison Ford, first of all, deserves an Emmy for this show. Might get um, one. You know what I mean? The Emmys love to do love to give the movie guy an award. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but also. Harrison Ford is 80 years old. Do you know any 80-year-olds, Derek? Uh, very few. Very few. Yeah. I know a couple. None of them could act. And, like, even if they had been actors, <laughs> they would not be able to act right now. That he is... Like, this is a... Subtle, funny, thoughtful performance. Like, there is a lot in there. And he is tremendous. I mean, just awesome at it. Well, and I feel like... I didn't think he had this in him anymore, to be honest. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like it's the first time he's playing 80. You know what I mean? Like, he's still doing stuff, obviously, but it seems like mostly... He's got an Indiana Jones movie coming out this year, for God's sake. he's playing younger. Now, I have to imagine that that movie... Unless there's some insane de-aging special effects going on, they're going to lean into him being 80 in that movie. But, um, oh man, because what are the like, choices you have at that point? <laughs> it's, it's hard to hide. <laughs> I think he's going to move around a lot better than the 80 year olds I know in this hmm. Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, I'll fair enough. Much. Fair enough. He's not doing that in this. Obviously, the character has Parkinson, and so that's part of it. But, um, 
I like it. I really like it. I love I love the performance. And, um, you know, I mean, it's not a secret that that guy has oceans of charm. Obviously, he's right. freaking on solo. He's but. Harrison. He's Indiana Jones. We know who Harrison Ford is. Uh, <laughs> to quote Harrison Ford in The Hollywood Reporter a month ago, I know who the fuck I am. Um, but... <laughs> I don't know. He's he's always been such a bizarre guy. Like if you see him in, you know, off-screen interviews, he's so weird. And like the fact that he is still performing at this high a level at 80 when most of his peers have either retired or just aren't doing great work, it's remarkable, man. I like of I mean, all I, I think it seems like almost inarguably of the famous people in Star Wars, right? In that first sort of in that generation of Star Wars, where those people were uber celebrities for for a period, I mean, he 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 went through it the most well adjusted, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, probably never the most really well had a crazy drug problem. I think you know part what of I mean? that is he was older. Um, yeah, when it stayed working when it happened, right? I mean, he was like, how old is Mark Hamill now? He's got to be at least ten years younger than. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Mark Hamill is is yeah almost a decade younger than Harrison Ford. Um, so I think part of it was he was already more mature when the fame exploded on him. Um, but also part of it clearly is just who he is, right? Like like he is just also very clearly a certain type of dude, a dude that I think in many ways is similar to this character. Um, right. He was also the guy that kind of moved out of Hollywood before everyone was doing that, right? Yeah, I just don't think he ever cared as much about the trappings of fame he wasn't ever as involved in that life um like he was a construction worker when george lucas found him right that's the that's the old story now i think that's the the you know that diminishes his efforts to become an actor a little bit but you know he's more he is he has always been um sort of rumored to be and described as a down-to-earth for by Hollywood standards sort of guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's given that vibe. Given that vibe. It seems like it's working for him. And I'm just, I don't know, just happy to see him in his 80s still making interesting stuff. Um. All right. Uh, let's talk about Rabbit Hole <laughs> because we should get the hell out of here at some point. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think um, we have to say too much about Rabbit Hole, if I'm honest. Um, I liked it. Yeah, me too. Pleasant surprise, I thought. Yeah, oh. it's, it's, you know, kind of a very different show in a lot of ways. But um, in terms of, like, the the level of quality and the space it occupies, uh, I just had to stop right the second um, of The Recruit, the Noah Centineo show that we watched. Um, we're just like, no one is going to confuse this with succession or, you know, whatever your favorite, most meaningful television show of the last year or was, or even like season one of Homeland, <laughs> you know no. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. no, there's no deeper message here, but what there is, is a pretty compelling mystery with some pretty good action and Kiefer Sutherland, which is all things I enjoy. Right. And, and I think if you're comparing it to the recruit. You know, no offense to Noah Centineo, I'm sure he's going to have a great career. You're in a little bit more capable hands with Keith Sutherland as your lead right now. Well, he's right in his wheelhouse. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) So, um, 
Uh, so I, yeah, I think the the you know the woman that he is sort of stuck with, for lack of a better description, is also very good. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and I was vaguely enjoying the uh, the people in his office till they got blown up. <laughs> so. Or did they? But I I will say I right. Or did they? Fair enough. The mystery here is yeah. is really working for me. Like I am <laughs> I am I'm sucked into what in the hell is going on here, and it it definitely. This show does a good job of creating that what the hell is going on here vibe for the viewer. Yep, and we're kind of just getting into Charles Dance, so um, oh, Charles Dance. Yeah, so I think that that uh, that part of it will be interesting as well. There's a lot of you know. Hopefully, it won't be a like okay. Well, what is absolutely to get to the point where it's so cat and mouse that nothing is real. You know what I mean? You know that's that's where I get lost a little bit. But yeah, uh, what I've seen, I'm enjoying so far, and I would say. You know, Paramount Plus also quietly building up some shows, like actual fictional shows that uh, I might watch. So good for them. Yeah, and I, I, I do think it's, it's uh, apropos that they seem to be sort of uh, linking arms with Showtime because they, many of the shows seem to occupy that Showtime space that we've talked about, where yeah. like they're not trying to be more than they are, but they're very good versions of what they are. Um, yeah, they they basically just absorb Showtime. Yeah, and you know what? Like, that's gonna that's gonna have me on Paramount Plus at bedtime a lot of nights. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's a lot of value in that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Bedtime. The, the bedtime slot is important. Can't is. be too weighty at bedtime. That's you know right. what I mean? Can't have too many details. And, and you can't watch <laughs> Swarm at bedtime. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, I haven't gone back to any Swarm yet. I'm going to at some point, but. Uh, I don't know. I need to steal myself. Yeah, for... <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's just one of those shows that, like, I also kind of intend to go back. But anytime I, I like, scroll past it, I'm like, oh, Swarm. Oh, that feels like a lot for right now. Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure does. So we'll see. Hopefully hopefully, I'll make it back at some point. I just have so much respect for everyone involved that I feel like I, I need to watch it at some point. Yeah, me too. Um. All right. I think on that note, we should uh, we should start talking about homework. I, you know, I, we did talk about this a little bit last week, but I, I also did want to say after one day of uh, a baseball season, the pitch clock is inarguable. Oh, it's incredible. Like I, I don't even know what the opposing viewpoint is anymore. Like, why was this even a you know, like come on? I mean, um, the only opposing viewpoint is just I like my things to stay the same. <laughs> yeah but this is like you have to be like i really like it when the guy steps out of the box three times and adjusts his batting gloves before every pitch yeah. you know what i mean like to, i that's, guarantee that's you the part you're losing that's it there you know is no I mean? question though I, you're you're absolutely right and i agree 100 percent. and yet i am 100 percent certain that not just one but many places somewhere somewheres in america there are sports talk radio hosts right now complaining about not enough ball scoring. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I am against the shift. I I, the I shift watched the whole day of baseball. Which I think is a minority position. You know what I mean? So I'm not. I'm not just like let's change everything. But no, man, but, but there is some guy on the radio right now being like, "I like my baseball where a guy can step back and adjust his cup." <laughs> I didn't see one cup adjustment in a whole opening day of baseball yesterday. Who's thinking of the cups? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone's doing that 
take this morning. Uh, then go to hell. All right. Um, <laughs> let's do one more. <laughs> We're going to watch a movie on Apple Plus called Tetris about the founding of Tetris, kind of. Well, based on the preview than you'd imagine <laughs> they keep showing us the preview when we're trying to watch other stuff on apple yeah. um and based on the preview it's like seems like some dude played by taron edgerton has to go convince the russians to like sell them tetris which sounds like it could be fun yeah um it's it it you know the Taron Edgerton part seems like it could be fun. It's much more of an action movie than you'd guess from the title Tetris. Um, Dave is back on FXX and Hulu, um, and in and in Final Four commercials. Um, uh, so we're gonna watch that. Uh, there's a show called The Power, and hold on, that I believe that is Amazon Prime. Yeah, Amazon Prime uh, with Tony Collette and John Leguizamo. Um, Unprisoned, that is Hulu, if yeah, I'm not mistaken, right? Carrie Washington, um, uh, Del Del Lindo. Lindo. I have seen a few of these already, um, and uh, I think you will like I'm excited, man. It's hard to argue with the two leads. Yeah. Uh, plus new episodes of Top Chef and the Challenge. There you go. As always. All right. You feel good? I do feel good. I do feel good. I'm ready for the weekend. Okay, bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening. Um, I got to pause again, though. I'm sorry. I drank way too much coffee this morning. I'll be right back. <laughs> Jesus. I know. It's out of control.